said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Thank you, Jesse. Welcome, everybody. It's another beautiful day. And this weekend we're celebrating Thanksgiving. And we have much to be thankful for for the Lord. Not just this beautiful day, but the opportunity even to listen to his word today. To have the breath of life. To have health. And to be able to enjoy the fellowship of other Christians in this room. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us today. You truly are the one God of the universe. And Lord, even today we sang that song, Great is the Victory Through Faith, as Jesse was just mentioning. And Lord, we thank you for faith. We're actually going to be looking a little bit into your word today that discusses faith. And Lord... We want to also never be remiss in thanking you for going to the cross, to dying for our sins, for being that propitiation for the wrath that is due our sin, and for being the comforter in our time of need. Lord, you are our provision both in the spiritual life and here in the physical life. And Lord, we are truly, truly thankful for you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, and let your Holy Spirit be with us. Also that you would bind any evil that would try to take your word today, that you would guide my tongue as I speak, forgive the sin in my life, so that your word is not hindered. And we ask all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. The title for today's message is Jesus Forgives Sins Through Faith. As Jesse had read, this is a very interesting passage. It deals with a man who had palsy. Palsy is a form of being paralyzed. If you remember, probably 50 years or so ago, here in the U.S., there was an epidemic called the polio epidemic. And I think the children that had polio at that time, it kind of mimics what's going on with this man in this scripture passage. It's also noteworthy that Jesus includes this passage not just here in Matthew, but he also has it in the book of Mark and also in the book of Luke. So it's a very important passage that deals truly with his... If you're looking at the timeline of the Bible, this is halfway through Matthew, about a third of the way through Matthew. So Jesus is still dealing primarily with the Jewish nation. And if you remember two weeks ago, we were discussing the lady, the Syrophoenician woman, who had come to, him, to Jesus asking that she 
would have her daughter healed who was possessed with a devil. And Jesus at that time had said, it is not meat, it is not proper, it's not worthy that I give the food that's due the Israelites to the Gentiles, to the dog. And yet, she being in the kingdom, she was not a Gentile dog. She was a child of the Lord. But her daughter was still outside the kingdom, indeed, demon-possessed. So at that point, Jesus still answered her prayer. But his primary mission of his ministry was still to the nation of Israel. And here he's still talking primarily to the nation of Israel. And he has just left Gadara, where he cast the demons out of two men. And this was such a, a trial within that local community that they got together and they came to Jesus and they said, would you please leave? We don't want your presence here. They knew he had the power in the spirit world to cast out those demons. But that was a very scary thing for them to consider. So now Jesus is on his way back home. And Jesus' home at this time is not no longer in Nazareth or Bethlehem for that matter. He's now going to be living in Capernaum. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in detail. So the first point, there's going to be four points of this lesson, Jesus forgives sin through faith. The first one is Israel rejected the gift of the spiritual healing, which is only available through Jesus. Matthew 9.1, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. Matthew 4.13 tells us, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. So now Jesus' hometown is Capernaum. Also, some of the Bible scholars believe that he may have been living in Peter's house. Remember, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. So that's not really spelled out. But it's interesting when you put some of these pieces of the puzzle together to gather that background of information. And it says Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali. So this is not too far away from the actual... It's, it's a, a small town on the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee. Matthew 8.34 <laughs> And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they brought, they besought him that he would depart out of the coasts. So this is after he had cast these two demons out, demons out of these two men at Gadara. So now he's about to return back to Capernaum. Matthew 24, 12, and 13. This is speaking to us living in this world today. Because Matthew 24 deals with Jesus coming back. And he's talking and addressing the people about this future event. He's saying, and because iniquity shall abound. Today in America, iniquity, which is another word for sin, abounds. There's much evil in the world today. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There are even people today who call themselves Christians where their love is not very strong anymore. It's beginning to wax cold. And it's because of the daily fight that we go through against sin in the world. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So about a month ago, we were talking about Jesus being the straight, the narrow gate. Enter ye in at the straight gate, because broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So once you receive Jesus and you enter through the straight gate, 
you must stay on the narrow way. And people who enter through the straight gate, who make a profession, but fall off the narrow way between that point and when they die, they are called apostates. They make a profession, but they leave. This verse is saying, if you endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. See, you can't lose your salvation, but there are many people who profess to be Christians who are not. I heard a pastor say this week, you can say you have faith and have works, but you don't have faith. But on the other hand, if you have faith, you will have works. So you can fake works, but if you have faith, you will know them by their, by their works. There's a, a major distinction there. Luke 4.24, And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And Jesus is, now he's at the synagogue. It says, as was his custom on the Sabbath, he went to the local synagogue in Nazareth where he was living. And he opened the scriptures to the book of Isaiah and he preached. And the next verse here, Luke 4, 28, 29 says, And all they in that synagogue, when they heard these sayings, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him up unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. This is early in his ministry. He's still living in Nazareth. They wanted to kill him. The Jewish nation as a whole rejected, rejected, rejected the preaching that Jesus had done, which was repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. They did not want to repent. They wanted to keep their way. Matthew 27, 25 and 26 says, this is now Jesus right through that seven trial process on his last day, when Pilate is washing his hands and turning him over to be crucified, then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So this is the final pinnacle point, the exclamation point if you will, of the Jewish nation rejecting Jesus. Now, there were Gentiles in that crowd that were being instigated to call for Barabbas to be released. So Jesus went to the cross for all of our sins. But this was the culmination of the rejection of Jesus as their Messiah, King, Lord, and Savior right before he went to the cross. The second point today, that was... Focusing on the nation of Israel now, because that's the way the chapter starts. Now we're going to look at the second point. Sin results in physical and spiritual death. But faith in Jesus is unto eternal life. We all know we're getting old. I mean, we can look in the mirror, and it's amazing. This past week I went to the Amazon on a missions trip. And I was looking at pictures from five years ago. And it was almost like, who is that man? Because in five years... So much has changed. I'm getting old. We're all getting old. And guess why we're getting old? The wages of sin is death. We're getting old because of the sin nature that we have in us. But the good news, as we sang today, faith is the victory. And that faith only comes through Jesus Christ. Matthew 9, 2. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. 
And Jesus, seeing their faith, their faith, do you notice it says their faith, not his faith, their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, be happy, thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus sees their faith, and this man, as a result of their faith, is saved. Now, he had to make his own personal decisions, but it's much easier for you, for example, Jonathan, growing up in a godly household, you have the influences of your godly parents when you're six months old. They're playing music in the background. When you're one year old, probably started teaching you memory verses already when you're one years old. And by the time you're three, four, and five, you're a little walking Bible. And it's more difficult for the demons to steal that word when there's a spiritual hedge of protection. Now, this man, we don't know his background, but the people that were bringing him were great in faith. And Jesus recognized that. See, Jesus sees in the spirit world. He knows which one of us are on the way to heaven and which one of us are on the way to hell. Remember at Lazarus' tomb, right before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he knew Lazarus was going to be alive in a couple of minutes, but he wept. He didn't weep for Lazarus being dead. He wept because he saw the souls of those people that were going to hell in the spirit world. Jesus knows the spirit world because God is spirit. And here he sees this man being brought before him. And those men that are carrying him, he's on a stretcher. There's four separate men that are carrying him. He sees their faith. And this man is blessed because of their faith. We are blessed in a setting like Lynchburg, which is great, of many people of faith. It's better to be living here than, say, in Afghanistan, where they want to kill us and root out all the Christians. I know this is terrible, but I saw a picture yesterday. There was a church in Africa, and it was a Christian church, and they burned it down. And they took all the bodies of the Christians and they were laying them side by side. And then uh, the caption was, Holocaust, 2017. Persecution of Christians is going on every day. Now, this is, the next verses are going to be reading from the parallel passage in Mark. Because Jesus gives us parallel passages to give us additional information. Here, let's read. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Jesus preached. What a privilege to mimic our God, to be able to preach to somebody. Jesus preached. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So there were four men, each carrying a corner of this cot as they carry this man to Jesus. But as we just read, this house is totally packed. There's no way for them to bring this stretcher into the door. So what do they do? And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. These men were determined. They wanted their friend to be right in front of God. And they weren't about to let a few hundred people that are in the way stop them. So they literally go up on the roof. Now the homes in this area of 
Israel, it was very common to go up on the roof. We read about that Peter going up on the roof praying in, in Acts. So it was very common to have access to the roof. But here, they are determined to have their friend meet Jesus. Luke 5, 17 and 18. This is also another giving us additional insight from the parallel passage. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. See, he's teaching and preaching. There were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. These Pharisees and doctors of the law, their mission in life was to study the word. And here is the author of the word. Here is God who wrote the Bible. And they are listening this isn't Gamaliel, the great teacher that Paul sat under. This is very God himself that they are sitting under. And it says, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea. Judea is south of Jerusalem. That's a hundred miles south. These people are traveling from all over the area to hear Jesus preach. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Do you hear that? The power of the Lord was present. The power of the Lord is present when we are convicted of our sins. When we have a godly sorrow for our sins, the power of God is present. That's how people get saved. You will never be saved if you have a rebellious attitude. If you refuse to submit to God's authority. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. John 9, 2. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If you remember this story, this was the man born blind from birth. The Jews knew that only Messiah could heal somebody born blind from birth. So that's a very long passage to convince the leaders that this man was born blind. And most people assumed if you had a, a physical malady, either you sinned or your parents sinned. And the consequence of that sin was the physical malady. But remember in that passage, Jesus said, neither he nor his parents sinned. But this is for the glory of God. Everything is for the glory of God. Heaven is for the glory of God. Hell is for the glory of God. All is for God's glory. Matthew 8, 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So here's a Gentile. He has great faith. In fact, Jesus marveled over his great faith. He comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick. This centurion, a centurion means he has a hundred soldiers under him. And he's a man of authority. And he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you are a man of great authority. You don't have to come to my house. All that you need to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at his faith. John 4, 53. So the father knew that it was at that same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. Here's an instance where Jesus raised somebody from the dead, and this man has faith. If you're looking at this, 
Jesus is doing miracles to heal people, to even raise people from the dead. He has the power to physically heal, but more importantly, to spiritually heal us. And it says his power is present. His power will be present with us when we're clean. If we have something we're truly praying over, submit to God, get under his authority, and come to him in thanksgiving with a clean heart. Acts 16, 30 and 31. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Do you notice these last two verses? They say, and thy house. John 4, 53, and it says, in his whole house. Acts 16, 31, and thy house. As leaders in our house, as we raise up children, they will come to a saving knowledge. Because it's God's will that none should perish. And it's our responsibility to raise up our children. Amen. It's our responsibility to be a good testimony. Amen. It's our responsibility to let the light of the Lord shine through us in our life. Matthew 9, 3. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Do you almost see how this is like so upside down? Here is God preaching to them. And they're saying he's blaspheming God. And yet he is God. Now, what was the problem that they had with what Jesus did? Because he said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. And we should be of good cheer. What could be more joy in our life than to have our sins forgiven? And see, when this man was born again, he knew instantly the relief that the burden was lifted from Calvary. Yet these leaders of the Jews, these knowledgeable people of the Bible, they're saying to Jesus, he blasphemes. Isaiah 43, 25. And these scribes and Pharisees, they would have known this verse by heart. It says, I, even I am he that blots out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Luke 5, 21 says, And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That is a very true statement. Only God can forgive sins. No one can come into the presence of the Lord without having purity. And that purity only comes through the blood of Christ. He is the propitiation. He is the atonement. He is our justification. Let's look at the top of page 3. John 5.18 Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Jesus never distanced himself from being the Son of God and being very deity himself. He said, the Father and I are one. Jesus never went away from the claim that he was God. In fact, if you raise the issue, he would have said, yes, I am God. Now he's going to bring these people to a decision point. Do you know each one of us in our lifetime will come to a decision point? We have to receive Jesus or reject him. But every one of us will come to that decision point. 
John 10, 33. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to stone him. He had a death sentence on him. Matthew 22, 65 and 66. Then the high priest rent his clothes. Again, this is during the trials, the seven trials that happened on what we celebrate as Good Friday. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard that his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. They were ready to crucify Jesus because he just revealed the truth to them and said, Yes, I am God. Matthew 9, 4. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? Jesus read their thoughts. He can see, not only in the dark, he can see in our minds. And he can also see in the spirit world. And he can also see into the future. And Jesus was reading their thoughts. And he says, why do you think this evil? It was very clear what they were doing was blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They were accusing him, Jesus, of doing the very thing that they were doing. And see, we can get so hardened in our sin patterns that we cannot see the forest for the trees, as so the saying goes. First Chronicles 28, 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou that the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart. This is David talking to his son. And with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. See, these scribes and these Pharisees, they knew this verse. They knew that what they were doing, if it was truly blasphemy, could separate them eternally from heaven. Because what they're doing is they're blaspheming God. And they don't know if they're going to be crossing that line of doing the unforgivable sin. Now Jesus said if you blaspheme him that in the flesh as God, that was not unforgivable. It was when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Psalm 139 2. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought from afar. God knew when you were going to sit in these chairs before you sat in them. And he knows when, what time you're going to get up and stand up and go back to your room. And he knows your thoughts all the way from heaven where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jeremiah 17.10 I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. We will all receive the fruit of our doings according to our ways. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Jesus knows everything, every motivation. He has every understanding of what motivates us. And there is nothing that we can hide from God. Revelation 2.23 And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Is it clear from the Bible, from these few short verses that we have read, and there's many, many, many verses that underscore this theme. God knows all, and he knows our thoughts and intentions. So going back to this scripture, the text verses, he understands the motivations of these scribes and these Pharisees. Matthew 9, 5. For whether is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk? <laughs> what a choice. Any man can say, yes, your sins are forgiven. And in a big crowd, you could scratch your head and say, well, how could he do that? But there would be no real proof that your sins were forgiven or not forgiven. Because this is a spiritual issue. And we cannot discern and see into the spirit world. Now, if that person said to somebody who was paralyzed, my brother had polio. He was one of those unfortunate who went back to the hospital when he was about 18 months old and he came back weighing the same birth rate. He lost so much weight. And he died when he was 19 as a result of polio. And all of his life he was in a wheelchair. He could not get up and walk. He couldn't do any of the things that other children would do physically. Now, if Jesus were to say to him, his name was David, David, get up and walk. And he didn't get up and walk. Jesus would have been laughed to scorn. But if Jesus would say, David, get up and walk. And my brother got out of that wheelchair and took that corset that held his body up straight and threw it away and was happy. That would prove that this Jesus had power. So Jesus is now confronting these scribes and Pharisees and he's saying, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or arise and walk? And see with hundreds of people all about him, in our human pride, we would never want ridicule. So we would tend to say, oh yeah, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Because not only does he have power over the spirit world, of course he has power over the physical world. He created all things, and by him was not anything made that is made. Psalm 103, 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. If you came into the kingdom... Physically, we're still getting old. But all your diseases are healed. Because one day you will have a glorified body. And that body will never, ever be sick again. But more importantly, your spiritual disease of death is healed. You have a new life. You've been quickened together by Christ. James 5.15 And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, 
They shall be forgiven him. Not as if he committed. It's how many have I committed that will be, be forgiven. And that's the praise to the glory of God. The third point today. Human remedies cannot cure the disease of sin and death. There's nothing we can do here in Lynchburg, Virginia that will cure the disease of sin and death. We're all going to die. It's appointed on man once to die. And there's no doctor's office who can give you some kind of a shot that's going to make us 21 years old again. That will not happen. Matthew 9.6 This is Jesus now addressing these scribes and Pharisees. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, so he turns his attention on this man that's on this cot. Arise, take up your bed, and go unto your house, unto thine house. So now in front of hundreds of people, Jesus addresses this man who has palsy. And he says, get up and go home. And take your bed with you. Mark 2, 10 and 11. This is a parallel passage. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Why wouldn't these scribes and Pharisees, who now have been brought to a decision point, they have heard Jesus preach, they have heard him say, Son, your sins are forgiven. In their mind, they're saying, Only God can do that. And then Jesus says, to show you I am God, he didn't have to. He doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. But to show you that I have power to forgive, man of palsy, get up and go home. Take your bed with you. And in their presence, this man is healed. He gets up, takes his bed, and goes home. And yet, their heart was so wicked it was so cold. It was so hardened. They wanted to kill Jesus and put him on a cross. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. These people, these scribes, these leaders, they thought what they were doing was right. How could all of this training that had brought them to this position in life be wrong? How could this man who grew up in Nazareth who was the son of a carpenter remember they said his mom was pregnant out of wedlock so they looked down upon his family. How could this man be very God? They rejected it. You see they didn't have that simple faith. Grace was present. Jesus' power to heal was present. And that's not only physical healing. More importantly, that was spiritual healing. His presence was there to heal. His power was there to heal. And in the spirit world, they were brought to this point where they had to make a decision. Let's look at the top of page 4. Luke 5.24 But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon the earth to forgive sins... He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. 
So this is the third parallel passage, Matthew, Mark, and now Luke, that's saying Jesus has power. Jesus has the ability to give eternal life. 1 Timothy, Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This is a great mystery. See, a mystery in the Bible is something that's revealed, but it has a godly nature to it. And Jesus truly, his godliness is a mystery to us human beings. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration, rebirth, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. These scribes and Pharisees, they were hanging their hats on their works. They were saying, look at us, how good we are. We keep all these little fine laws and the minutiae. We know it all. And God says, not by works of righteousness will you enter into the kingdom. So now the question, the last point of today. Do you know with certainty that you personally have eternal life with Christ? Matthew 9, 7. And he arose and departed to his house. So, he, Jesus gets up, he lives here in Capernaum, and he walks out of this house, and he goes to his dwelling. It's almost a picture of Jesus ascending into heaven. And now he's leaving these men at that house to grapple, to wrestle with this decision. The same thing is happening today, 2017. Not only here in Virginia, but all around the world. 1 Samuel 28, 16, and 17. We have pictures in the Old Testament where Jesus' presence left certain people. And just like his physical presence has left the earth, he's seated at the right hand. But his Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is present when we get saved. In the Old Testament, this is when Saul, the night before he dies, he goes to a witch of Endor. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks I will present this because it's a very interesting story. But he is so defiled before the Lord. He has done so much abomination. Remember, not only did he not obey the Lord, he killed all the priests. And now, he's going to be fighting the greatest battle, the most important battle of his 40-year reign. And God will not answer his prayers. So he has this blasphemous idea to go to a witch who earlier in his reign, he was killing he wanted to get rid of all the witches because they're an abomination before the Lord. So now he goes to the witch and calls up Samuel, who's already passed. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy? Samuel is saying to, to Saul, Not only has God left you, he's your enemy. I would never want God to be my enemy. And yet at the judgment day, for anybody who has not received Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior, he will be the enemy. 
And the Lord hath done to him, speaking again of Saul, as he spake by me. For the Lord has rent the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to thy neighbor, even to David. And then Samuel goes on to say, Tomorrow you and your sons, except for the one that was an invalid, will die in battle. And that's indeed what happened. Judges 16.20. Now this is talking about Samson. Samson is noted for his great faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But he fell away from the Lord. He was a judge for approximately 20 years. Started his reign in his late teen years, maybe around 20. And he served the Lord for 20 years as a judge. But he had a weakness for the flesh. And now he goes to Delilah. He's laying with her. And she says, the Philistines be upon us, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. See, when he would shake himself, the Holy Spirit would give him great power. He killed 1,000 Philistines in a battle and all that he had was a jawbone. That's an amazing feat of strength. And he wist not, he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. When we walk in sin as a pattern of life, and even for some that backslide. Now that's a very specific term in the Bible and it's very much misused in America. There are many people that say, I'm a Christian, but I'm backslidden in nature. That person is probably not a Christian. There are a few instances in the Bible where people would become backslidden. King David, for example, for approximately one year because of Bathsheba, and that's sin. But he repented, wrote Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. Here, Samson is so much into his sin, it says he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. That is perhaps one of the saddest verses in the Bible. It really gives me a heavy heart when I read that verse because I really enjoy Samson. I think he's one of those really great characters, except you messed up, but God used him. But at this point in his life, he didn't even know God had departed from him. He was no longer doing his devotions. He was no longer praying. He was no longer fellowshipping with the Lord. He no longer had a relationship that was close and intimate. Proverbs 27.1 Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Saul didn't know what the day would bring until Samson said you're going to die. Samuel said you're going to die. Samson, when he laid down with Delilah, didn't know that the next day his eyes were going to be poked out. He didn't know what a day would bring forth. People that are not saved, they don't know what a day will bring forth. We can die very quickly in an accident. 2 Corinthians 6.2 For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you are under the conviction of God, now is when you need that conviction right. If you're saved, the Lord can bring you under conviction for sins in your life. He can bring you under conviction for something He wants you to do that's constructive for the kingdom. But the most important conviction is if you're lost and on your way to hell and the Lord puts you under a conviction for your sin to make it right. Don't push that off. 
Because as you push that off, you're dulling your senses to the call of the Lord. And it's like somebody that you disrespect. The first time it's difficult. The second time, it's not so difficult. And after nine or ten disrespects, you have no withholding back at all. You just will disrespect that person. That's the way it becomes with God. When He calls you to repent, if you push it off, you're disrespecting the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 2.3. This is a follow-up verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. Most people, they go into hell not because they say, I want to go there. It's because they neglect the most important issue in their life. Somebody might be married to another person and their spouse suspects they have a heart condition. Or maybe they have a chance of getting cancer. And their spouse is saying, honey, you need to go to the doctor. You need to have this checked out. And the spouse says, no, I'll do it next week. Uh, Next month, on vacation I'll go. My vacation time. And they keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off. And finally when they go to the doctor, the doctor says, I'm sorry, you're beyond being healed. They neglected their great health. God says in the spirit world, how will we escape damnation, hell, if we neglect so great salvation? Don't put it off. Because today is the day of salvation. Matthew 9, 8. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. All of these hundreds of people that are in this house and outside the house, they saw this great miracle right before their eye. They all knew this man from having palsy all of his life. And he walks out of that house carrying his bed. That was a great miracle. It was an awesome miracle. And they marveled. But unfortunately, people marvel, but they don't take the next step and to seek out the Lord. John 5.29 says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming into which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There is an hour coming when we will all give an account. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. No one will get into the kingdom unless they go through the straight gate, straight meaning narrow, which is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Just like we would examine ourselves if we had some kind of a malady. Actually, when I was in the Amazon, I had this hoodie that I would put over my head at night to sleep. And I would sleep with my jeans on. But one night I was hot, so I took my socks off. And my jeans went down to my ankles. And the next day I had like 20 bites just from my ankles down. I didn't see it when I was getting dressed to get back on the plane. But on the plane, my feet were so itchy. And then I 
when I got home, the first thing I did is I took my shoes and my socks off and I examined my feet. And I bet there was like 20, 25 welts from whatever those bugs that were that bit me. I examined myself to see why my feet were itchy. Well, here, this verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know not your own selves. Do you know yourself? You know yourself better than anybody knows you. God says, Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you? And if he's not, then you're a reprobate. He makes it very clear. There's two choices in life. You're either saved or you're a reprobate. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Those are the two choices of life. It's very clear. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Not one chance in a hundred, a thousand, a million, a billion. Impossible. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Some people, they get saved difficult, diligent. They're working, not by works of righteousness, but they're searching for the Lord. But God will reward that diligent effort. And then the last verse for today, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us in the spirit world from all our unrighteousness. So we see here, this is the culmination of this lesson today. If you don't have faith, you can't please God. And if you don't please God through faith, you can't get into heaven. This verse also says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So it comes back to us, just like those scribes and those Pharisees. They said Jesus blasphemed because he forgave that man's sins. And yet Jesus, in their presence, proved he was God by healing that man of palsy. So the title, God forgives sin through faith. God forgave my sin because of the grace that gave me faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. He will forgive your sins if you have not come into the kingdom today through faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's so powerful. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room today who has not received you as Lord, God, King, and Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. But more importantly, we all know family members who we know are not serving you, living right, before you, God. That we would bring their names before your throne and pray over them so that they too would be confronted with your Holy Spirit and that they would make a decision to receive you as Lord God. And Jesus, we thank you this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving. And most of all, we thank you for the cross that you did indeed go to it. And you said, even praying in Gethsemane, that if the cup could pass, but you said, not my will done, Lord, but your will be done. And Jesus, that's our prayer today. Your will be done in our life. And we ask all this in your powerful name, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us today. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Son. We love you, God. Amen. Just as I am.